Yeah, I think that's also probably why some of the foul uh, decrease calls haven't been noticed as much in Jimmy's game because he's not really trying to get a foul. He's trying to score. He's just killing people on his way there. So Is sometimes he, people I, foul him. Yeah, what are his free throw numbers like? Because you would think, again, you would think that he would be affected by maybe not necessarily, but again, he's not affected by the new rule changes. But like if guys were better defensively in this way, you would think he would be affected. But I don't know. It's You're right. I guess he hasn't been affected as much. I mean, part of that too is that he's not taking on the same offensive role. I mean, that's the other key to his success is that he kind of can play a lot of different roles and be comfortable with it. Like he's kind of, he can be Draymond Green or you could like sort of flip him and he can be Jason Tatum without. Well, the yeah. Setback and jumper, he, you know, it's and he's sort kind of, of thriving right now because he doesn't have to be defined to a single role. He's just kind of being Jimmy and picking his spots. But to your right. point, he's, he's, he's averaging seven attempts a game. Last year he was averaging eight the year before in the bubble. He was averaging nine. Obviously he was on a hell of a run that year. But his free throws numbers are mostly the same that they normally are. Seven to nine yeah. free throws a game. He's kind of the master of the half-inch advantage. Uh, yeah. And a lot of these guys are, but he, I think he's like, it's more it's more obvious with him because he doesn't have a great jump shot. Like, he doesn't have like this like flip. He can't, he doesn't jump and dunk on people, you know, some of those sorts of things. It, it shows up a little more. Uh, and yeah, I mean, look, if, this is if, if Kyle Lowry stays healthy, that like keeps him in that role. I think once you get to the point where if some of these guys are hurt and he has to do too much, you kind of get what happened last season. That's the yeah. concern I have. For for you, why was it just moving to the Washington area that made you a Washington fan, that made you care so much about them to write a blog? Why aren't you a Boston fan? What's going on with this? I'm from DC, grew up there. Uh, um, and that was, I mean, what happens in your childhood like sticks with you. And like my dad and I going to Washington games like was very powerful. And, you know, so I've always identified with that. Um, and I think there's also something to the degree of like, and my dad was a Celtics fan, but he didn't push his Celtics fandom on me. I mean, times were different. Like who knows how he would have acted if you, if I could watch Celtics hands on league pass all the time. Um, but it wasn't like, you see, he just like, it, it wasn't that he needed to be a Celtics fan. There was, he was perfectly happy with me becoming a fan of that local team. Uh, so I think that's really what it came down to. Plus, you know, there weren't as many, I think this was at a time when like Wiznuts was really big and Steinberg, Dan Steinberg was really big. And so the Wizards were kind of like kind of a jokey type of team. And I obviously appreciated that coverage. It's when they had arenas, but there wasn't necessarily like sort of a more like kind of, what if you just want to be a fan of the basketball type of coverage? Yeah. And I tried to fill that niche. Um, but no, I'm, I'm from DC. I don't live in DC anymore, um, but I still watch every single one of their games. I think I missed maybe two games in 10 years. I gotta check my spreadsheet. <laughs> you have a spreadsheet for this. I do. Yes, I've been keeping one since uh, 2015 to mark off who I watch, just to make sure. Again, like I think. I mean, it, it's weird because I never like ever like had a job as like you're only an NBA writer. Mm -hmm. I had that for like one year. Most of my job was editing, but no, I, I feel like that's like kind of what I can do. I can watch a lot of your games, and so I try to make sure that I'm. You know, I kind of keep track of what I've watched. I have notebooks and 
you know, I think that's the least I can do. Um, obviously some teams I watch more than others, but yeah, I can tell you how many Miami heat games I watched in 2018. Um, so I've been just keeping that for myself for a while. And occasionally sometimes people will like kind of be like, Oh, you don't know anything about this. You know, watch them. I'm just like, sometimes now I'll just post a link and be like, yo, I can prove how much I've watched them. Now you may not believe me. Maybe I'm cooking the numbers. I don't know. Uh, but I just, I just put it out there. I feel like, you know, the, otherwise we're just going to be in a never ending argument. Like you're in this claim. I don't watch them because I don't buy your opinion. And, uh, you know, so I just say like, here, there's how many games I watch to them. It's it's, you can tell me if you think that's a lot or a little, but this is what it is. Hopefully uh, but, you didn't watch too many 2018 Miami games. That was, I think point justice right around that era. Let me see. Actually, I can look this up real quick. Um, this is, this is deep people. We're getting, we're getting Mike spreadsheet data on this pod. Uh, they made the playoffs that year. They lost to Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like 23, 24 regular season games and all their playoff games. I'm going to guess a lot of those are because Dwayne was back. Well, let's see. Uh, I can tell you which ones or the dates of them. Uh, who would they play on October 25th, 2017? I watched that game. October 30th. Uh, let's see. Uh, November 9th. November 12th, November 15th, November 24th. This man's practically a Heat fan. Ooh, it took a little, boy, I had a little drought there. December, and I want to say too, by the way, like I have a unique, I don't know if this is unique, but I think it is. I never watch a game unless it's, I start it and then I watch the whole way through. Uh, and I always watch it in order. I try to always watch it in one sitting. That's become harder when I have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't watch a lot of games live. Like I'd rather, if it's 8 o'clock and the game start at 7, I'm not picking it up in the second half. I'm starting at the beginning. And I'm watching all the way through. To me, that's important because that's how the players play it. So like I, I think you can you can develop... Maybe I'm overstating this effect, but like if you pick up a game in the middle and you don't know exactly how it got there, you might overrate something that you think is a trend, but is really just a response to something that happened or whatever. Like the the game's conditions change. So I would think that the behavior of the players change. So I I never I'd rather and I and I always try to watch one at a time. Like I never do like multiple games at once. I think I did when I was younger, but not much recently. And really only now I do that like on the last day of the season. Cause I think like that's, you have to watch it. That's how the players play it. I'd rather watch 23 games really well than 82 games partially. Well, look, I, I'm, I think I'm starting to feel out some of your personality. I think we both are kind of doing that a little <laughs> bit. Um, and, and you kill me if, if I'm wrong here, but Ooh, I think that, that this is way... really harsh. Yeah, Will you? I had a girlfriend try that once. So I think that. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I won't think... kill you. Don't kill me. Maybe just correct me. We'll deal. Okay. We'll go with that way. Okay. When I uh, I have a special connection to Washington, and uh, specifically the playoff series with Isaiah Thomas after his sister passed. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first piece of media that I turned on my television to watch after coming out of some pretty bad trauma, hospital trip, ICU, a couple months. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of lost the will to exist as a person. But then I was like, you know what? I like basketball. I like it a lot. Um, but I was a football guy at that point. And I turned on that series and I found passion for ball inside of that because that whole series was so context livid. Like it just was laced yeah. in context. Um, so I found that connection there. And I've always felt like since then, I wanted to give the game everything I could. Like I owed the game that because right. you what feel did you that way. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ask what, I'm curious what you loved about that series because I, I covered games three, four, and six. Um, uh, or was it? Yeah, three, four, and six. Or Yeah, no, I covered all three. Here, here's um, what I love specifically. I'm curious what you loved about that series. Obviously, I didn't love the outcome, but it was super compelling. Right. I, I loved that there were there's this guy who has this narrative of like in any other situation, Isaiah Thomas is the main character of a movie, right? Like mm -hmm. he's he's the main character. He's going to overcome. He's, he's going to triumph. But in basketball, that guy is the main character for his team. But then there's this whole other team that has every other story and narrative and collective will and want to be in the same place that that guy's going and they're just colliding and john wall is just hitting game-winning shots and like jumping up on on the scores table and yeah, then isaiah I was comes at that back. game oh i was i was at that game six still the most thrilling game but that game was amazing and i also was in person for the game i don't know if people remember this the game six against atlanta where paul pierce hits that miracle shot that happened like a tenth yeah. of the the second yeah no it, you know it's it it's interesting because I think neither of those teams was winning the title that year. Nope. Like they were both in an interesting state where I think both of them looked at each other and is like, Oh, this is a team we can be like, Oh, like we we're better than these guys. I mean, the Wizards were saying they were better than Cleveland that year, which I mean, hilarious. I actually, I remember I wrote a piece about this after game four, there was something about the respect element of we want respect we're loud about wanting respect. We don't quite know how we're supposed to get respect, but we want respect. And that was also, do you remember that was also the year where they, the Wizards were the all black or the self was it the Wizards, the Wizards were the all black funeral clothes during that regular season. Is that, um, was that the Wizards where they're so going the to send and, them home and to the funeral? And then the Celtics did it before game six as like a retaliation and lost. Oh. And do you, do you remember? I, so there was some like legitimate animosity between those teams. Uh, so there, I, I remember just, and there was a, that was a chippy series. You had the Kelly Oubre, Kelly Olenek fight. Uh, you had a lot of stuff like that, a physical. But those are two teams where it's like, I think what I, I'm, again, I don't want, you can kill me if this is wrong. Um, but uh, there was something about that series that was like, for you, I'm sure that was really enter entertaining. I was like, they're, they're, when you look at like sort of the larger goal, like they were never going to achieve that larger goal of, of getting a title, but yet they still clawed for what they could fought so hard, even though like they were going to be sacrificial lands for yeah. LeBron or Steph. And there's something about that. Um, I imagine at your stage of your life, you related to, you know, it's like sometimes like you don't just keep going just because of a destination. You, know, you keep going for intrinsic reasons and, those teams were so nakedly about that. Um, as, again, I might be putting words into your mouth, but I feel like that must have been part of it for you. I don't know if I contextualized it in such a way, but it just felt like the human experience. And as I sat there with no desire to want to like exist, 
I found just like happiness inside of this event that was occurring in front of me for entertainment. And Mm -hmm. I, I kind of in tech, I kind of contextualized it like this, where ball was the only thing that's ever loved me without conditions. Like, it's just the only thing in my life that's never asked anything other from me more than effort. Like if I just show it effort, it's going to be there the same way that it's always been. And that's interesting. I do feel that a lot. Um, One of the things that, I think about a lot too is like you know is that a fair standard to uphold to uphold for human beings i mean all human beings we we have to ask something from each other you you realize this when you're a parent i think Mm -hmm. um and you are too like you know people do need things from you and you need things from them there is no person in this world that will take something for for you with no strings attached but that's the beauty of humanity in a lot of ways there is like a reciprocity to it but to connect this back to basketball i do think there are a lot of one of the things that i see a lot with players and i think one of the reasons why i think some people don't quite get this level of intimacy with the players with the game is that it does feel like sometimes they're in a cocoon where they are they are getting they're giving something to something and expecting it to be unconditional back and nothing is unconditional and especially now like social media and it all feels like it's flying in your face so i just sometimes wonder if like kind of what that is doing to the psyche of basketball players but that's a i think a different conversation um but no that back to that series that series was just it was very uh nakedly raw i just think wall and thomas are, are just such interesting contrasts i think they were I know Thomas was in the Thomas got drafted the year after. You've got the number one and the number sixty picks in in the drafts playing against each other, each mm-hmm. basically wanting the same thing, like respect um, from two very different perspectives. Uh, and it's just it's a fascinating battle um, to see that happen and just like that. I mean, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, I, I I see. I, I, I'm sad with how that series went. I think the Wizards should have won it. But, you know, I, here's another question for you. Like, do you see other series like that? Have you, what, is there a series like that that's happened since that has sort of rekindled some of that for you? Where it felt like this is like kind of pure in a way. I have an answer. I'm curious if you do. That, I mean, there's some big three moments that feel extra more than like bigger than life. But there was right. never anything that connected to me and resonated with me that way. I remember getting heavily invested in it. The first playoff run with Justice and Josh Richardson against the 76ers. Um, uh, 2018, I believe, right? I, I don't know if that was the first one. If that's the first one, then yes. It's the one where basically Ben Simmons uh, tried to put weight on Justice Winslow. He drew a foul. And then while he's sitting on the ground, he called him a bitch. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Why? I wonder sometimes, like, I mean, it seems like this is a larger conversation. Um, but one of the things I often wonder about is it is this sport that appeals to your emotions. Like, that's sort of its thing. So, why is it, is it, why is it losing interest, viewership? And to me, like, it seems odd. I, I talked to, I experienced this a lot with the Milwaukee Phoenix finals with people I would talk to. It was like, wow that was way better than I thought it was like, man, this is great. Like, I love how they're competing. And yet like the barrier to entry is not basketball has never been sold purely on that in a long time. You know, why is it that people are surprised 
by how much they enjoy a Milwaukee Phoenix uh, type of series or one of these things. What there is a disconnect here between I don't how know. the game is marketed, uh, and it it feels like to me this is the spe- the secret. I think some of it has to do a little bit with the vulnerability issue where if you are vulnerable as a player, you are like, have like every criticism feels like a torrent coming down on these players because of social media and the aggregation of stories. And I think they are a little afraid sometimes to really reveal parts of themselves. And so you lose that intimacy. That is what the game is about. Um, Something I've been wondering about, like you talk to so many people that actually watch the game. It's like, this is awesome. But there's so many fewer people who are actually doing that. It's so that, weird. That disconnect to me is a little easier to explain than the other, like the larger point. But everyone at my network was thrilled for this finals. Like they were thrilled. It, and yeah, because it, was, it was a basketball matchup at the at its purest level it was just two strategies, two different types of builds, two different types of coaches. And boom, what's going to happen? And we didn't know. But I think that the league just came out of like 10 years of putting superstars against each other. It was just, I, I don't like think it's Steph I don't think and it's LeBron. 10, I don't think it's 10 years. I think it's its entire history. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's part of it. Um, that was the, way, the training. Others, I don't know if they knew how to market that series because the training is nothing that they were used to. I think that that's right. I think um, also think that part of the problem is that to really build the game up in that way, you've got to take some short-term L's on ratings because people like I'm the, one of the things I'm really curious about to see is like, so last year there were so many different faces in the playoffs and I'm very curious to see like, what is the impact of that going to be in six years where, I mean, I look at someone like Trey Young, for example, getting this Christmas game before that, that playoffs began. And with all that happened, Trey Young would not have been a household name you needed that like sort of leap of faith moment where you're not just putting the people who people know already on TV and on display. You need to sort of take a leap of faith and like, maybe the ratings won't be really good right then, but five years from now, because of that experience, like I wonder is Trey Young's brand going to be to the point where he then becomes one of those faces. And I think for a while, like the NBA just sort of lost that will to take short-term L's on some of these players to like sort of build their stories. Um, because they never really had to. They always had Steph. They always had LeBron. They always had Jordan. They always had these guys. Like, you do need to sort of, at some point, like, you can't just trust the numbers of, like, this is what people want. You've got to build new characters and build them up. And, you know, I'm curious to see, like, do you get a healthier league in the whole if you're from this nadir in some ways? Now, there are other reasons for the nadir of, ratings obviously but at some point like someone's got to take a short-term loss and nobody is incentivized to do that like if the ratings are bad that people are going to flip out but you need a period of low to get to a point where like like it was interesting to me that uh, the double header on ESPN the other day I think this was like a sign of progress New Orleans against Atlanta instead of the Nets heat game by the way I know right? same time I know. But I mean, you're you're complaining, and I think that's fair. But like, like, which do you think was going to draw more ratings? New Orleans, Atlanta, or Brooklyn, Miami? Well, I mean, it was the right decision. It's Zion. Well, it's the team Zion's on, and right. you know, and then the late game, Memphis, Portland. Well, that would yeah. I'm telling you though, I th- 
I could watch John Morant any day, any time. I, yeah, I loved it, and I thought it was I thought it was great that they did that. But yeah, someone might be might say like, I bet you that game did shit ratings. I don't know what the it ratings probably are. did. It was a late game anyway, so it probably what didn't have right. a good stack. But even relative to a ten o'clock start, it's probably not as interesting as I don't know who the what you could have done there. Um, but I think it's interesting that the league like put Memphis in that spot a Memphis Portland game. Like those are two small markets, but those are two teams that have interesting players who are not going to win the championship, but we need to build up John Moran at some point. Like John Moran is a, since you know that he's amazing to watch, but how much the audience knows that, that like is just not exposed to John Moran on a regular basis. Like you look at like yeah. the WNBA ratings right now going up and it's totally apples and uh, it's like apples and candy bars. Um, not even apples and oranges, but so much of the reason they're going up is like you can see them more often. Like exposure is a massive key to like growth, to like popularity. Like if it's played a lot, you're gonna it's gonna become popular. I think the other thing the W does better than the NBA, and I'm a I'm a just a huge yeller about all things women's sports, but they build the narratives through the stories. The way that W Twitter interacts with players the way that, you know, like the Ari Chambers and the Kim Adams and like all these people that interact with the fans are sharing stories and tales. So it's not, I don't hear too many people putting WNBA player stats up against each other, right? People kind of find teams and then they, so, they vibe with the energies of the, the players. So I think it's, I, that's, I, I agree that, but I think the reason for that is not necessarily what you would say. I think the reason for that is that when you think about where the W is in terms of popularity, it's basically where the NBA was in the seventies. Yeah. Right. There is like a survival element at play with these, with everybody, all the stakeholders were like, if they don't do this, they may not survive. So they, everybody is incentivized to be open from the players to the media, there is like an interesting, I, I'm very curious to see what happens to it. If the, if W becomes really big and like, then it just feels like everyone's like a cheerleader and there's it's sanitized. I wonder what happens then, but for right now, it's like exactly what that league needs. Like they need, they need that energy. Um, and the NBA, I think was in that place in the past when there was a risk of it, like literally going under right now, I don't care what you say about the TV ratings. Like the NBA is going to be as an institution. It's such a huge institution that it's not going to die. It's not in th- a threat of like going out of business. Despite these ratings, the TV, the TV, next TV deal might be twice as much money. So right now there's just no incentive for all these people to work together. You know, everybody almost has it too good, I think. And I think from the teams, it, those are the types of environments that stifle creativity. Um, so I just think the W is in a position where like they are and they're taking advantage of their moment. And Absolutely. so much of it, so much of it, too, is like, you know, that they were comically under, um, you know, covered. So like just making a token effort like makes a big difference proportionally. <laughs> like, you know, like it's it's there's some of that going on, too. Like, hey, maybe put your game on ESPN proper instead of ESPN fucking news like that, that. There's like sort of like some low hanging fruit that they're plucking for the first time. But I think that a lot of it is you, you can kind of see it too with like the have you noticed that in W games they put the hot the camera in the coach's huddle? Yeah. Do you, an NBA coach would never do that because like the W coaches, I, I don't know this, but I suspect 
they understand that like the greater good of growing the game is more important than protecting their secret. But when growing the game, the game is in a comfortable place. Will that go away? I mean, the NBA, like there's no, the, the NBA is almost too comfortable. I think. Well, you had a real world example for this and we, we, we got to wrap soon, Mike, because I feel like me and you could do this all day yeah, and no, I sorry. love you, man, but I'm not editing all that, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, there's a real world example for this on Netflix. It's an F1 show called drive to survive uh, where, when that show I've started, heard about that. it's really good by the way, like a great drama show. But um, when that show started, you know, Mercedes wasn't involved. You didn't see Lewis Hamilton on the screen. There's like guys who aren't around the, the Netflix show. It's like the smaller teams, but the show did so much for the success of the sport, like letting people in, seeing it, how it works and introducing people to the characters, the narratives that were building. Right. It blew it up. It blew it up. Now right. I, I know F1 fans in the States. I never knew an F1 fan in right. the state my whole life. F1 was in trouble though, right? on some level yeah i mean f1's always in trouble at some level (laughs) there's always like something going on yeah it could go it could lose a lot of money yeah i mean one of my favorite phrases though is necessity is the mother of invention and i think that's like sort of what you see with the w and with f1 like they they needed to do this um and the nba just doesn't in that same way like they're just too comfortable it's very comfortable um so, I mean, I think you see this also with like just a lot of the games innovations, like it's a guy like Mike D'Antoni or, you know, that sort of team, like they're in a necessity as a mother of invention situation. And then it scales up. Like it's never, it's just, it, it's something that I think you see. And, and, and it would help. I think the NBA, if even though they, and I wrote an article this point last year, even though they're not a startup, it would help them. I think if they just pretended like they were. Yeah, because then they would feel like, you know, as a startup, we've got to get people to care about John Moran. Now, I just think that there's like no incentive for them on a national level to get people to care about John Moran. Because those, okay, they have staff. I agree. <laughs> but like from a business perspective, like, oh, we have Steph, we got LeBron. Let's get people to watch those games. We have the Knicks now and people will watch the Knicks games like that. Like, when will the Knicks start getting used as a crutch for ratings? Where it's like, oh, we'll solve the ratings problem. We'll put the Knicks on TV all the time. Well, what if the Knicks suck in the future? You know, that's like that. Um, but yeah. By the way, the the one series I I would say that like recaptured the love for me with that was actually uh, the Jazz Nuggets series from the bubble. Love that series. That was like that's my favorite series of the last ten years. You, that's so funny. Those two series have a lot of similarities, don't it? Yeah, same. They reasons. really do. Yeah. I was really hoping for a Jazz Nuggets West Finals. Maybe we'll get it this year. I was thinking, I mean, I have it coming this year in my predictions. That's where I'm at. So we'll yeah. see. I don't know. I mean, Jamal Murray better get healthy because Michael Ward Jr. doesn't look so good right now. But, yeah, um, I just thought that was, like, an amazing – first of all, the shot – I mean, obviously, the shot making was great, but just the level of desire to basically get to what? Like, respect. You're not yeah. – neither of these teams were, were winning the title. You know, they they were fighting tooth and nail for just like recognition. But look, the biggest moment that you stand on, like the biggest stage that you have in and out your entire life is like the one you're in right now. Like the moment you're in right now is the most important moment that you've ever had in your entire life because it's happening to you right now. As soon as it's done, it's a memory. So when those guys are competing in that way, 
I feel like they're just like, I don't think they're thinking about any of that. No, they're of just course not. competing. No, of course not. Yeah. And, and I think that's true, whether they're good, they're, they're LeBron or Steph or they're up and coming players. But I think maybe just from a marketing standpoint. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I see where you're going. Some, there's something about, you know, and I think a lot of it is, it's because I will watch any, I'll watch any basketball like that. I don't need that. But I think there's something, the knowledge of knowing that, uh, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell we're not just matching each other shot for shot but this is these are like what two this the tw- maybe like the 17th and the 25th best players in the sport you know young but not established also doing this um and you saw how upset Donovan Mitchell was after game six and you saw how Jamal Murray was like holy shit that dude at 55 like there was just some interesting energy about like hey we're both doing this for the first time um that was really fun um but yeah i think yeah when they're in the big that's the i mean like that's the thing that it's hard to it's like hard to appreciate but like you, you can't just say that as from a marketing standpoint um you know to get people to pay attention like obviously you're engaged in a task you only care about that task like and i think that's true but just that series the, those are the moments that i think the nba and trey young versus the knicks was another good example of that yeah. um you can't script that you can't script those sorts of things. Like, how do you know that Trey Young is going to turn into Reggie Mill, the modern day Reggie Miller MSG heel? You have no clue. How many people had that playoff series? You could not possibly script that. And, you know, that's the, the thing. Every time you try to engineer ingenuity, like it just, it, it, you fail. It just has to happen. And well, think, yeah. A, a lot of stuff happens, a lot of things happen in this podcast. Okay. <laughs> this is this is expert level transitioning you're hearing right now. All um, right. So, Mike, I, man, first of all, thank you for taking time out of your day. I mean, I I know that it doesn't always feel like you're doing a million things right now, but writing a book is like the most intense shit I could ever think about doing in my entire life. The fact that you took any time out of it to come onto the show, I'm I'm very appreciative. And if there's anything you want to plug, Twitter account, uh, Substack plug these things go yeah well i appreciate that i mean I, i'm probably will relaunch the Substack pretty soon i just want to finish the book first right so bear with me um the note the goal of the Substack was good and people liked it i just couldn't commit i just couldn't do it enough like it was too much mental energy and i'm trying to get through some of the things in my life before i can really focus on it i want to I don't want to come out and do like a haphazard job. That's what I felt like I did last time. I wasn't ready for the grind. Um, I need some heat culture to kind of get me going. Um, you know, I need, I need like Eric Spolstra yelling in my ear and uh, I need to pass, uh, I need to pass my version of the Miami conditioning test. Right. I got to do that, but I'm hoping to bring it back and hoping again, like basketball is complicated, but it's really not that complicated. I don't think. Like, I think a lot of it, it, when you try to reduce it to, like, plays and, you know, what is this thing called and what is a slice cut versus a lift or a shake or, you know, whatever. If we try to think of it in a computational way, like, it's just, it, it, it's not that, it's not that deep in a lot of ways. It's a, yeah. it's a game of motion. It's a game of premonition. It's a game of uh, adaptability. And I hope that the Substack 
the prettiest picture set of stack whenever it relaunches. I hope that what I had done was like true to that. And I hope that this, it will continue to be true to that where, you know, it's, it's more about it's, it, there's a lot of context and interesting things happening. You don't need a, you don't need to know what like sort of all these great plays are to like kind of understand and appreciate like the guts of what's happening. And so hopefully I can continue to do that, but that'll be, I don't know when until well, then. The people would have to know, so you're probably going to let them know on Twitter, right? What's your Twitter handle? Mike Prada NBA. Yeah. The sub is called Prada's Pictures. There's a backlog of stuff from past years. Don't just pretend not to notice that the first, the most recent story is Julius Randall's figuring it out against the Hawks because that didn't quite go so well. Didn't, didn't plot out as good as you would have wanted no, it to. No, it, it didn't quite hold up. Um, but that's the thing about the, the sport, like things change there's just a lot of interesting things but yeah um hopefully you'll enjoy the backlog there and like when i do relaunch sometime when i feel ready to like hopefully i can deliver on more of that well we'll make sure to keep you uh you know five reasons adjacent brother i'll, I'll make sure to uh to post anything you put up and you kind of already are nikias was on the halftime show two days ago and yeah, you know, Nikias. So you're five reasons to Jason as this. Yeah, yeah. No, Nikias does great work. He's he's great, uh, and I, I think we we think in a lot of the same type of ways. So, uh, yeah. No, he's he's doing good stuff. Love his right. podcast. Yeah, he's gonna have to pay me to talk about it more. So, I brother, I appreciate the hell out of you for coming on. Thank you so so much. Thank you for letting me spiel and. Had my crackpot theories on how things work. <laughs> well, that's what the book's for. Make sure you buy a yeah. book. Yeah, it, it's going to come out next fall. Um, right. It was supposed to come out in the spring, but it, as you said, writing a book is a little harder than it looks. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I never thought I was going to do it. They they pitched this to me, and I've been trying to figure it out what it's going to be about after the fact. So you know, hopefully, I landed on something good. And you guys can wait. Um, but there are, I will say that if you want to plug stuff, it's with the same publishers that are doing uh, Seth Partnow's new book, uh, Mid-Range Theory, which I have read and it's terrific. Uh, Alex Wong's new book, uh, Cover Story. Jake Fisher's book, Tanking to the Top. They've got a lot of great titles coming out. Uh, so you should definitely go purchase those. And hopefully when this thing is ready, it'll be a good companion to, in particular, to Seth's book, which I think covers similar ground from a very different from a more analytical perspective um so we've been comparing notes every so often on our books. and that, so, that company is called triumph correct yes triumph publishing they also they do like sort of those instant like kind of best stories from this team title run books right or the 100 things you need to know about team x before they die before you die not they die uh that's the same publisher so um read those books in particular i think seth's book is like a good companion to whenever the hell i finish this thing right well we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye i want to thank the audience always always for listening tuning in um everything i do is powered by you guys i mean i don't do anything if you're not showing up if you're not pressing buttons if you're not giving me clicks so thank yeah. you guys a ton yeah uh, plug me plug me in man <laughs> Are to the like, audience no i'm saying like it's like they're an outlet and you know don't keep me plugged in you know otherwise i won't function <laughs> basically <laughs> i need <laughs> my batteries <laughs> you want you me to work? press the button press the button <laughs> yeah 
All right, brother. It's been good, man. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.